Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. church and for all of you out there let me just do um, a real quick bit of business here Uh, a lot of you may have seen the weather uh, that came through here last night tornadoes plural we believe we know at least one massive one but perhaps plural hit um, Clarksville which is northwest of us and then hit the north Nashville area pretty hard at uh, Hendersonville Gallatin and Antioch There are fatalities. Um, I don't want to give the number because first reports are always wrong. Uh, But we know a lot of damage is there. If any of you know something we can do to help any of them there, please let us know. You can do that, info at oursafeharbor.com. You can call one of us. uh, You can put it in the live chat. But that also leads me to this. Our Safe Harbor is everywhere, as Greg brought it up before. And the soundstage people and location is not more important than you. So what I'm saying is, if you have storms, we may not know about it unless you tell us. But if you tell us, and there's a need we can meet, then we'd like to talk about meeting the need. Uh, As much as we can, and as much as you can, let's work together, because this is not a, um, a Brentwood, Nashville church, even though that's where we are. That's just, we, uh, we're everywhere. And so you're a part of it, and so is your community. Now, since I, we, we started all this thing three years ago, actually, last month, I've tried very hard not to reuse old sermons, because some of you have been listening for 20 years, and you'll, you'll know, oh, that's some sermon number 17. You know, I, and so I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I have done repeats of old sermons here three or four times, but I've given you a heads up that that's what I was doing. Even then, I like to rewrite them and keep them more fresh and up to date. This is one of those that I have preached, not here, but elsewhere, long, long ago. But I did it in enough places that rewritten, but I always like to acknowledge that. Fair enough? I feel like the Apostle Paul, uh, John, sometimes, when they kept saying, bring us a new message, and he kept saying, love one another. You know, or Peter, whenever he says, you already know this, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway, which I really like about Peter. I like a lot about Peter. Sometimes the message is repeated because it needs to be repeated. And to illustrate the fact that the Bible is full of many stories, but they all link to Christ, to the Jesus story, we've looked at parallels, which have been rather shocking, it seems, uh, from all the email and and response we've gotten at the uh, nexus points, the, the similarities in the lives of Moses and Jesus and Joseph and Jesus, the Passover lamb, Melchizedek. And so today, we're going to take a look at perhaps what is the oldest story in all of our scripture. Not oldest as in a story about a time, but rather the first one written down was probably the book of Job. It is that old, and it shows the marks of being an ancient Mesopotamian story. So we need to start, as, as one will, w- with Tarzan movies. I'll explain. 
Growing up, Tarzan movies fascinated me. First of all, you only saw them in America. I don't know anybody, I don't think they exported well. Um, they were all in black and white because the universe used to be black and white before, uh, what, 1970-something, for those of us in our income bracket. Uh, but they were, they were um, ahistorical. In other words, no, 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 that's not the way things were. They, they were racist. Um, they were silly, stupid, and all. The, but they were, they were what you could watch. Because once upon a time, people, you only got two or three channels, and on Sunday afternoon, that was the death of anything interesting. You know, you might have bowling for dollars. I'm not making that up. That was in America. Um, there was another show in America, Queen for the Day. This was horrible. You brought poor, broken women out, and they told you about the terrible things that happened to them. And the one that the people voted was the most terrible hurt person. They'd give her a washer machine or something. It was awful. But every so often they would show you a uh, Tarzan movie instead. They all start out the same way. Somewhere our hero has been somewhere he should not have been, or he has seen something he should not have seen, or he has taken something he should not take. By the way, Raiders of the Lost Ark, a Tarzan movie. I don't care. Don't at me. I know these themes. So, there, and there's a theme in all of them. There is. So he is now on the run, shall we say, the, the natives are, are restless. And so you see him running through a back lot of Hollywood dressed up with ferns, and, and every so often, you know, little arrows coming by just to heighten the tension, um, because these people, uh, of some light, for some reason, are offended that this person has trespassed. Um, we don't discover Africa, there were people there, you know, they already, it was found, but um, he, he's, he's running around now, they're going after, and every so often they have to do this, it's in every movie, he will pause thinking, am I away, and no, and you run some more, and then you will come to the, he, always to the edge of a cliff, and he will slide to a stop, and a bet breaks loose, because you need to understand that this is a high cliff, right, even if we're showing B-roll, from nature films. And so, and they go. It's quite high. And can't go that way. So he runs around for a bit and he finds a bridge. This, this is not an OSHA approved bridge. <laughs> this is not a bridge that people who took pride in their work constructed. This is a Friday afternoon, three o'clock bridge when they just want to get out. And you know what happens? They put their foot on there and it wobbles, right? You know that? And they're missing bits and go, oh, you can't go across that. But yes, you must. We all know the rules. As you're going across, some bits must break. You can't have a smooth, you, you can't be singing. You know, there has to be a break. And oh, no, we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark in Kilmarnock, Scotland. And because it was the big thing then, right? Cammie and I are sitting there. Beside me was a man I didn't know. The man. He's basically a coat with a hat on. I couldn't really. He's just a wee man and topped off with a you know hat. And, and when Indy kind of slipped a bit, he grabbed my arm. You don't do that in Scotland. You don't know me. And even then, that no, no. Even when we're married, we call each other Mr. and Mrs. for at least the first 20 years. You don't want to get too familiar. So, and I looked at him and he said, do you think he'll make it? 
I looked at him and I said, it's five minutes in. They named the movie after him. <laughs> yes. You know, play with the sticky floor. Do something. I'm, I'm you know, watching away. But you know the rules. Why am I talking about this? Because I cannot help but think about those old movies when I hear a lot of preachers preach. Because they will talk about the goodness, the wonderfulness, the beauty, the righteousness of God. And they're right. They're right. Who can argue? But then they will talk about you and me. We're over here. We're dirty, stinky, smelly, awful, sinning people. Fair enough. I can't argue with that either. Well, then they will paint a way to get from there to here. And it's not, an, it's not a good bridge. It's a pretty dangerous bridge. I mean, you may get all the way up to here and fall. You, you might think you've made it, but no, you didn't get the music right. You played a song God didn't like, evidently. Uh, or you, um, you didn't organize your church in a way that made him really happy about that. Or you, uh, you didn't understand the Trinity the way he wanted you to understand the Trinity. Or you, you get the point, right? There's this whole block of things you must believe, that you must sign your name to, that you must do exactly right. For example, we were immersionists. We still baptize by immersion. We're, we're really, we like that. That's a big thing. I think it fits the concept and needs of scripture better than others, but all right. But I can remember standing there and having somebody be baptized three times because the guy couldn't get him under. Hands flying out trying to survive or something. And uh, one time, I'm not making this up, in the 60s and 70s, girls used to have long hair that they didn't want curls. And so they would actually iron it. I can, my head, I had older sisters. I can remember the smell of burning hair. Oh, it must be church time. Um, and as one young lady was baptized, her hair floated to the surface and they made him do it again. And I'm going, that hair won't even be there when she meets Jesus. Hair's mobile. Uh, it, but anyway, you're not allowed to question. But you get the point. How do we get from there to there? Now, we had an idea of grace. But the grace I was told about was, you start off over here, and you walk toward Jesus. You do the best you can, and he'll meet you there. But if you don't do the best you can, you're back here out of his reach. Wait, wait, a, wait a minute. There, there are some issues here. There's not a person in this room, not a person watching, not a person you've ever known, met, or ever will, who has done the best they can. Nobody does. Have you ever had somebody say, they're not living up to their potential? Well, potential for what? They, I, they always mean something positive, but I, 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 my potential for evil is quite high too, if you want me to go for that one. It is, we don't measure up, and you know the rules, you won't be, you won't be reached by Jesus. But is that, is that true? I don't... I don't think the Bible says anything like it. I don't think Jesus has taught us anything like it. We don't need to live our lives shame-filled, thinking God is disappointed in us. First, you know, first of all, he knows you better than you know yourself. So he knows more good about you and more bad about you than you've ever thought about yourself. And yet, and yet, he sent his son in as a baby. That always just throws me. If you're going to invade the planet, you send a baby? I don't think so. 
I, I think that you, um, you understand numbers and, and you know, if the earth is in a defensive posture, you're going to need three to four angels for every bad one out there. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. He doesn't combat. He comes in love. So what do you do if you've been told that your only option to get to heaven is a terribly dangerous bridge? Well, most people just quit trying. I did. Or you make peace with the concept that you're going to do what you can do when you think about doing it, but God may not save you anyway. That happens so much. I've spoken at churches of all kinds for the last 30 years plus, and I ask some of them, I'll say, who here knows they're going to heaven? And very rarely do more than a few hands go up. And I'm looking at him going, you think you're being humble, but you're being insulting. Because you don't think God can save you. I dated a girl once. I remember her because I didn't date that many. I don't know. Anyway, um, I I finally got the the right girl, but fair enough. Um, I dated this girl that I couldn't compliment. She turned all compliments away. You know, it's a pretty dress. I don't like this about it. You know, it's pretty hair. Well, this didn't work right. And, you know, she makes a meal. Well, this is good. Well, that's burned. So eventually I looked at her and I said, either, either, you think I'm a liar or I have the worst, lowest standards ever done. She could not accept a compliment. Something in her life, I don't know what it was, uh, and I'm a shrink, so <laughs> I should have known, but I don't, I, some tragedy back there had put her to a point where she was never going to be good enough and nothing she did was ever going to be right and you couldn't convince her. Do you under, you, your heart breaks for her as it should. But have you ever thought about what it must feel like to be in a relationship with somebody who will not accept love, kindness, friendliness, or, compl- uh, friendliness or compliment? Jesus is in with them all the time. People, you know, getting on the dirt and saying, I'm not worthy. We all know that. We all know that. So what are you going to do? Or is it about what we do? It's as if we're stuck in Romans 7. Now, if you don't know your Bibles real well, Romans 7 is where Paul just opens the door of his heart and he says, you want to talk about a sinner? I'm a sinner. He even says he's a chief of sinners, which I'm pretty sure I've met people give him a contest, but fair enough. And one of them I met in the mirror. But he says, what I want to do, I end up not doing. What I say I'll never do, I end up doing. And he, he just goes through all of this. And he goes, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, had he stopped writing Romans at chapter 7, I would have all invited us to jump off the bridge. But he didn't. He wrote, starting in, in uh, Romans 8, right now, he says, right now, even with all of this, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. None. How much grace do you need to get from there to there? Those of you on the podcast, from the sinner side to the holy side. How much, how much grace do you need? Oh, here, here's the good news. You have more than that. You're well covered. In fact, uh, the Bible talks about being saved to the uttermost. You're more saved than you thought you would. It's rather like, um, 
It's rather like somebody saying, you know, what do you need? You know, and you're saying, I need some groceries. I need $100 for groceries. Um, and somebody goes, well, here's $500. You're going, well, I didn't need that much. God overpays. He overcovers. Think of the deal. We got Jesus. God gets us. That's not a great deal for God unless God is a God of love. Think about kids. I know why people have one kid. I do. It's the second one that makes me wonder. You know, we have, we have two. And we wanted more than that. God said no, so fair enough. But we had two. But I always think, all right, people, how can you not understand the love of God if you've had a kid? Because when you first get a kid, it's not practical. It doesn't do chores. It is a money sink. It really is. It'll eat, it'll eat your life, basically. I can remember sitting, watching another Little League baseball game, looking over at somebody else who was sitting like this, and I said, who did you used to be? Because we used to be somebody. We were interesting. We did things. Not now. Not now. And when you get the little kid, they scream. They don't know that you're the, the good person. And even if they do smile at you, some idiot in the room goes, it's just gas. Really? Really? Thank you for flushing joy away in the moment. That's, we now know your spiritual gift. I can remember the first time Cammie left me alone with our wee girl in the west of Scotland. I didn't know what to do with her. Cammie finally comes home. She goes, um, did you change her? And I went, no. And she goes, why not? And I said, because the box says five to eight pounds. And there's not that much in there. And we had, we had an argument. We had an argument. Um, she, she won. How can we be happy and certain because... God loves us even when we're not productive, when we're taking resources, when we're bothering them. I don't think we bother him. But Jesus, by the way, he said you could. Do you remember that? He said, if you ask God something, you be like the widow that will not let the judge have his life until he listens to her. I met a man as I was traveling a couple years ago to speak to internal affairs agents, and they had their, their big meet in Las Vegas because it's a target-friendly environment for internal affairs, I guess. And the guy driving me there says, you know, what are you there? He saw a little patch there and told him. And he goes, my son was in a, was in a hit-and-run accident. The guy drove off. He said, we've been trying to get the police to look into it and help us. Uh, what, what should we do? And I said, you should camp out at the police station every day. You call them. You walk in. You are the most consistent presence in their life until they finally listen to you. And he says, I don't think we should have to do that. And I says, it's not a question of what you think we should do. You asked me what would work. God said, you can do that to God too. Just hassle him. And I'm, I'm sure he was using human phrases. But for, last week, for example, we mentioned Jacob. And those of you who are late to the party, Jacob was on the run from Esau. Esau was big, hairy, muscular, hunter, man of the woods, man of combat. Jacob was not any of those. He was the guy that sat on a stool in the kitchen, really did, you know, basically, going, hello, and, and that's it. That's all, that was his skill set. So he ran because he had stolen from Esau, and Esau was after him. In Genesis 28, verses 10 through 16, he gets so tired he lays down, a pillow is his, uh, rather, a stone is his pillow, and he sees a stairway going up to heaven 
and angels going up and down upon that stairway. Well, as we mentioned last week, in John chapter 1, verse 51, Nathaniel comes to see Jesus, and Jesus is impressed with his faith and his knowledge, and so he says, you will see the day when you will see the angels ascending and descending, that stairway, upon me. Okay, now, now we've got something different. There is a huge divide between rogues and sinners like me and the majesty and purity of God. But our bridge is not the one in the Tarzan movies. The bridge is Jesus. So it's in pretty good shape. Being as he is the son of God, let's, let's talk about that. What does a bridge require? It requires a minimum of two ends. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you've ever been out to LA, they've still got freeway off-ramps that don't connect to anything. And I often wonder, did somebody vote wrong? Are they punishing this community? In the old movie Speed, they even go for one. You know, and it's just like, that's probably not wise. It's probably not recommended use of a bus. Jesus is both deity and humanity. He lives in time but he also lives outside of time. He was made of matter, but he's the one that made the matter. I mean, the whole Advent thing shows you the bridge, what God is willing to do to bridge the gap between us. He, he declared unilateral peace. He didn't say, if you guys start being peaceful, we'll be peaceful with you. No, he sent a baby down and said, peace on earth. He declared peace on his own. Preachers will tell you that we're still at war with God and war in our hearts and we're still stuck over. No, we are not. Jesus saves. And he saves to the uttermost. He wants to save. That's what he's about. That is his go-to. Do you remember the man was lowered uh, that had, they took the roof apart. You know, so they're lowering while Jesus is teaching. Always loved that one as a boy. Because you know, the thought of being able to take apart a church and Jesus doesn't get upset. And I couldn't move without getting pinched. But they take it apart, and you, you know, eh, 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 eh. I don't know about the sound effects. Jesus looks, sees a man who is paralyzed. What is the first thing he say? It isn't about get up and walk. It is your sins are forgiven. Why? Because that's what he does. That's his first response. And in time, Jesus will carry us across the big divide wherever we need to be, because he's the bridge. It's not us. It's not what we know. Paul put it this way in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, there is one mediator between God and man, even the man, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. So if you don't know that, then you, you miss the power there. There is one mediator between God and man, even the man, Jesus the Christ. It goes back because he is King Messiah. He is a Messiah. He is the anointed one. So let's go back to that idea, the oldest story in the Bible. It's a story of Job. Job has suffered every reversal a human being can suffer. I'm told there's a new Christian movie out there that's a modern interpretation of it. I haven't gone to see it. Um, I might, but 
I think after COVID, I kind of quit going to see movies. Uh, I'm, I have to get back into it. But regardless, I know the original story. I read the book. He is suffering everything. And then friends come to sit with him. By the way, for a while, these were the best friends ever. They didn't pick at him. They sat quietly. Very often people ask, well, what do I say to a person who's like this? You know, when I lost my mother three weeks ago, people, I'm sure, didn't know what to say. And so what do you say? You don't say. You just be there. You just give them a hug. You don't have to say a word. Just be around. And that's what they did. But then they got involved with this cause and effect thing. In other words, if something bad's in your life, something must have caused it which means you must have done something. This whole karma thing is a lot older than Hinduism. The idea of there's got to be a balance somewhere. If there's a lot of bad out there, it means you didn't do the good thing, and now you're reaping the, the harvest of this. And, and Job says, no, I didn't offend God. I was a good guy. I, I wasn't evil. And they go, you know, the more you deny it, <laughs> it's kind of like those people that would come up to you and say, you just stole this and killed that person. You go, no, I, don't. I didn't do that. They'll say, no, quit being defensive. <clears throat> what are your options at that stage? So Job goes defensive. And if you're thinking, when I say Job, the first thing in your head pops patience, you didn't read the book. Patience runs out just a couple chapters in. If God had had a dog, Job would have kicked the dog. He, he cursed everybody but God, and then he said some pretty harsh things to God as well. You can tell he wasn't real clear on how the universe works, because sometimes he says to God, when I die, you're going to miss me. And other times he says, I know I'm going to come back on earth. And then what, how am I supposed to react to all of you? Again, confused because it was so early. But in Job 19, verse 25 through 27, he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my flesh has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I will see him myself with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. My redeemer. Do you know what that word redeemer? It's only used once. And again, we're using Greek because the oldest version of the Old Testament we have is actually in Greek. So <clears throat> that word redeemer is only found in one other place. First Timothy 2.5. There is only one mediator between God. It's the same word, redeemer. But you know what? It doesn't even mean redeemer. That's how we translate it because they had a cultural thing we don't have. So um, when my father passed, I was head of the family, not because I was oldest, not because I was wisest, but because that's the way our family had things set up, the eldest son, in fact, the only son. Well, they, that would mean any bills come due, guess who has to pay those? Me. Any issues with government, I got to take care of that. Now, that was fine. That, that's fine. It's a job. It's an honor. Um, but again, it's close to that idea of redeemer. If there are issues, this is the person who has to solve them. But it goes further than that. By the way, just a little side story. One of his friends, Eliphaz, told him, stop talking to God. 
Don't ask the angels to help you at all. Because even not one in a thousand angels would ever deem to speak to somebody who's over closer to that side and the human nasty bits. And we can tell that because of the bad things happen to you. And if they did, he said, even if that one angel did out of a thousand speak to you, they would just tell you that you were condemned and a bad person. Jesus came to show us that Eliphaz was wrong. God himself through Jesus, came to us to speak to us and for us. He came to help us across the divide that seems too wide between us and heaven. It isn't. Because he came. That word, that word, redeemer, mediator, you know what it is literally? Daysman. D-A-Y-S-M-A-N. Here's why. Back in those days when you had a conflict, you couldn't do what we do now, and that is pour resources into it forever and have an 18 month later, you have a trial that lasts for six months. No, you had to sort it now because you had to work today all day just to have enough food to live tomorrow to work all day. And many of you, if you had great grandparents, you knew a generation that didn't get to play. They had to work. Because that's what you did to survive. Now we have a lot of lot of free time. And so we put screens in there to soak it all up. But it, they had to shorten things. So a day's man would come. And he would stand between the two disputants. Let's do a very easy one here. Larry's sitting up front. Larry's been a friend of mine in Colorado, Washington State. And now Larry and Karen moved here. And we're so glad to have them. They, they called me last night. They're newbies on tornadoes. <laughs> They're saying, what do we do? And, and I was the wrong person to call, frankly, because most people will tell you, get to a lower level in the closet, put a helmet on. You know, all. I, I, I just say, you know, I paid the salaries of EMTs and such. I think they ought to earn it by trying to find me. Uh, so that, and I'm sure that was a great comfort to you, Larry. Uh, anyway, um, Let's say that Larry has asked me to paint part of his house. And he says, you know, I'll pay you 2000 So I paint the house. And then I go up and he hands me 1000 And I go, where's the other half? And he goes, no, I only said 1000 We have a problem, don't we? We got to solve the problem. It's a $1,000 problem. In this day, what would happen is you'd have to find somebody that Larry and I both respected. All right? So let's say that we, we get Topper out here. We say, Topper, would you stand in here? Now, Topper could be the nicest guy in the world, but he's got to think about when he stands between us because you've only got one day to figure this out. And at the end of the day, if he and I have not compromised, the person in the middle pays the difference. We know about this because the Mesopotamians left records on how this was done. In the British Museum, they have huge stockpiles of Mesopotamian records, many of them untranslated. And if you're going, oh, what secrets and wonders? No, they're so boring. It's accountants about who owed what to somebody and then a the prayer we all prayed at the end. But we, we know about Daysman through them. And you know how they did it? We got a couple pictures, well, carvings. They would stand between the two disputants and put a hand on each. This was to build in fatigue, to get it done. Does this remind you of anybody? One mediator 
one mediator between the disputants, man and God. And if we don't make it real far on our own steam power and grit and determination, we're good. Because we have a mediator who will make up the difference because that's what he does and he volunteered for the job. The book of Job, you may not have known it, but it was a story of Jesus. Not a story of patience. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, Hebrews 9 and verse 15, God is giving us a deal which is better than any deal he's ever given anybody before. Period. And if you, uh, Hebrews 12, 24, if you really want to see the difference, the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries out reconciliation. What an amazing story. I'm just going to go there. Let's close with this passage. Let's go to Isaiah 40 um, and verses 3 through 6. 3 through 5. Yeah. The holy highway. By the way, guys, if you're a guy, this is also a good description or definition of what God thinks a good man is. In Isaiah 40, starting at verse 3, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground will become level. The rugged places a plain and the glory of God will be revealed and all the people together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is not asking you to fix it. He's saying, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I've got this. Our perfect Savior. Perfect salvation. It's not a rope bridge. It's a son who guarantees he will take you home. It was a um, difficult time. We had just come back to America. And they had found my grandmother dead in her backyard. Um, when they found her, she was wet, which meant she'd been out overnight and the dew had formed on her. She wasn't dead yet. She'd had a massive stroke. They put her in hospital and I was able to take Kara, our, our wee daughter at the time, and Duncan was newborn. Um, so I took her to the hospital. We stood there and I held her hand, even though there was no response, no movement of any kind. Doctors didn't know if she was in there or not, but they knew she was going to die. And I just said, you know, Mom, we, we love you. We will honor you. And if you choose to, you know, this is, these are the people holding your hands, Kyra and Patrick. If you choose to hold our hands, we will hold your hand and we will stay with you. But Jesus has your other hand. If you want to go with him, it's okay to take his hand. Later that day, as often happens, after talks like this, she took his hand. I never have forgotten that. I had similar conversations with my mother a few weeks ago. Uh, that very long, hard time. Uh, I say very long and hard. That's not really fair. Some of, some of you have suffered with this for years and years, and it was just a hard nine days. I got to be, I got to remember that. It was hard for me. How's that? Uh, saying, you can go. But evidently, she didn't feel like she could yet. And then she did. And that was um, a wonderful thing. 
Because the Bible says the death of God's righteous people is a happy event. Not for us, but for them. So I I decided to end today on an old old hymn that it, it didn't really fit exactly, but it's as close as I could find. When I come to the ending, a river at ending of day, when the last winds of sorrow have blown, there'll be somebody waiting to show me the way. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Let's sing that. When I come to the end, river at ending of day, when the last.